Let's read. Mark chapter 1. I'm going to begin in verse 14, although we already covered verses 14 and 15. I want to read kind of in the context because we want to kind of see what Jesus' message is as he fishes for men. After John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God or the gospel of God. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news or believe the gospel. As Jesus, as he passed along the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Follow me, Jesus told them, and I will make you or make you become fishers of men or I will make you fish for people. Immediately, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, putting their nets in order. Immediately, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants of the hired men and followed him. Thank you for your word, Lord. Your word is truth. God, we love your word. We pray that you would bear it upon our hearts, Lord, that you would change the way that we think and change the way that we believe so that our hearts would be aligned with your hearts and our minds would be aligned with your mind. So Lord, we ask you this morning that you would speak to us in a powerful way. And God, that you would, you would, you would just pour your spirit up upon us, Lord. Teach us. Be uh, our great teacher in Jesus' name. Amen. So there was a woman who accompanied her husband to the doctor. Her husband was suffering from horrible stress and he had a terrible heart disease and he was dying. And the, the, woman, the woman was pulled aside by the doctor. The doctor took him into the room, took her into the room and began to explain to her. He says, look, you need to do some serious changes in your lives. This is what I want you to do. If you want your husband to live, this is what you will do. First thing in the morning, you will get up, you will feed him grains and nuts and fresh cut up fruit, and you'll make him fresh squeezed carrot juice and celery juice, and you'll, you'll, you want to really just make it really nutritious. And for lunch, you want to cut him up uh, uh, salad and vegetables and kale and greens, and again, make him fresh carrot and celery juice. And for dinner, low carbs, protein, and absolutely no sugar. And you will not Tell them your problems. You need to keep the stress level low. You can't tell them your problems. There's no honeydew list. You have to be at his beck and call and do whatever he says and make sure that you keep his stress level low. Well, she nodded, walked out of the doctor's office. They got in the car together and they began to drive away. The, the husband asked, what did the doctor say? Well, honey, you're going to die. Now, but that story illustrates something very interesting. This is how a lot of Christians treat the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the urgency of the gospel where people are going to hell. Millions of people are perishing. 150,000 people die every single day, most of them on their way to hell. Most of them on their way to hell. Half of the world's population groups, people groups, People groups have never heard the gospel. They have no access to the good news of Jesus Christ. And I, I look at the body of Christ and I see thousands upon thousands of Christians not reacting towards the fact that people are on their way to hell. 
It's serious. The gospel is the good news that people can be saved from everlasting destruction and have abundant and eternal life. And Jesus here in our text, he's calling, he's beckoning, he's giving us a compelling vision. He's saying, look, here, I mean, if this, there's no other better compelling vision than this. I will make you become something greater than yourself. I will make you become fishers of men. Now, my wife has a very good friend. Her name is Kylie Basuti. She wrote a book called I'm No Angel. And she was a Victoria's Secret model that got to the very top of the pinnacle of her life. She was a runway model. She was making thousands upon thousands of dollars. The whole world was looking at her, but the Lord had gotten a hold of her heart and she left it all for the gospel's sake. Well, she has this book. It's called I'm No Angel. And this girl had read the book. And I want to read you something that that, uh, this other girl that had read the book had reached out to Kylie and um, she sent her videos of her cutting herself and saying she wanted to kill herself and all kinds of things. But she says, I'm in a very dark place, constantly have these suicidal thoughts. And since I don't have the courage to do it, I've decided to kill myself gradually by starving because I was talking to a friend of mine and he said, Uh, And and what he said was, all people see and want. Nobody cares about inner beauty. No one. She says this. I absolutely want to die because I am useless. I don't even know why I exist. All I want to do is die from anorexia and from this purpose in life that that, that, that doesn't even matter. uh, Nobody cares. I'm, I'm not even smart. And nobody cares about me. All they care about is appearance of people. And let's be honest, the world sucks. She wrote this to Kylie. She sent her pictures of, uh, of her cutting herself and, and her suicide. So Kylie reaches out to Bethany and says, will you help me tag team this girl and tell her how much God loves her? Here's the cool part of the story. She's in Iran. She's Persian. And she, she wants to kill herself. She's cutting herself. She thinks life is meaningless and hopeless and useless. Well, my wife reached out to her and she's never heard the gospel. She had never heard the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus loved her and had a plan for her life. And she responded to both my wife. My wife gave her, I mean, preached the gospel to her. And here's the response that we got last night. My wife spent hours this week tag teaming with Kylie Basuti, trying to tell her, look, God has a plan for your life. She says this, while I spent hours and hours and hours of crying, thinking that no one will even care to read my message that I posted on social media. As I am worthless, all these, in in my own mind, all these caring and loving people gave me hope and I am speechless. I can't believe it. I did not expect this in a million years as I am so lonely and almost have no friends in real life except on social media. This must be God's work. Hashtag my little tribe, which is my wife and hashtag Kylie Basuti. You see, there's people's houses are on fire all over the world. People are living hopeless, bankrupt. Marriages are falling apart. Kids, teens are killing themselves. We had a kid in our youth group, 16 years old, put a gun to her head because somebody had taken photos of her and shared them on the internet and kill herself. 
Look, people are desperately in need of a savior. They are desperately in need of people like us, like you and me. There is no plan B. We are it that, that will go across the street and say, you know what? God loves you and he has a plan for your life. That will stay up late at night and text some girl in Iran and say, you know what? God loves you. And this is the gospel. God loved you so much that he, he came down on a cross and he died for you. Guys, people's houses are on fire. And, 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 I, and I think about this. I think about what would I do if my house was on fire? I would go in there and I would do whatever I possibly can to rescue my family. What if my neighbor across the street house was on fire? My neighbor next door's house went on fire. What would I do? What kind of person would I be if I didn't go and kick down the door and tell them that their house was on fire and try to rescue them from this fire? Yet the church is lulled to sleep. And people are falling off the edge of the earth. And marriages are being destroyed and lives are being wrecked and addictions are running rampant and hopelessness and despair and anguish and people are marginalized and they feel lonely. Absolutely nobody cares about me in the world. And they're sitting in their room in Iran And what kind of person would I be if I saw you and all of a sudden I knew the coffee was poison and I saw you about ready to take a drink of the coffee and I said, and I just stood there and I watched you drink it. What kind of person would I be? I love what Paul, Paul pleads, he says, for the love of Christ compels us to share the gospel. He says, he says, it is the power of God unto salvation for everybody that believes. When we share the gospel, the power of God is unleashed into the world. And people's lives are changed. And people can say, they gave me hope and I am speechless. Guys, the gospel is good news. And as Paul pled, he said, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That should be our cry. That should be who we are and what we do in this world. You know, I, I read a book called There's Only the, the One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven. And the, the premise of the book was this. We will worship Jesus. We will praise Jesus. We will fellowship. We will commune. We will even eat at the banqueting table of the Lamb. But the one thing that we will never be able to do in heaven is share the gospel of Jesus Christ with our loved ones, with our neighbors, with those that are hurting and broken and marginalized. We will not be able to do that anymore once we get there. And we, three million years from now, we won't care who won the Super Bowl. We won't care about our promotion. We won't care who was president. We won't care who was prom king or prom queen or anything else in this world. The only thing that we will care about is what we did with Jesus and for Jesus. Because that's where the rubber meets the road. And so this call, this compelling vision of Jesus to come and join him in his mission in his reality, in his, his gospel call, if you will, the calling that he has on everybody's life, that knows Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. He is beckoning you. He is pleading with you to go out and plead with others to be reconciled to himself. This is a great, great, mighty, mighty 
call. And so let look back with me at the text for a minute. It says this. He says, as he passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother casting net in the sea, for they were fishermen. Follow me, Jesus told them, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately, without questioning, without hesitating, they left everything. And this call, this invitation to follow me, It is a a glorious call. He's calling you to come follow him and he's calling you and he's saying, look, you're gonna fish for men, not with hooks or nets or bait, but with a powerful, contagious, confrontational and compelling message. And he's saying, come. But he's not just calling them on a great mission. He's calling them into a dynamic intimacy with himself. And he's saying, come with me and and learn of me and you will see mighty and wondrous things. This call is an amazing call. It's, it's, It's incredible. And do you see the implication? If you are truly following Jesus, he will make you become fishers of men. And he's seeking men and women who will deny themselves, pick up their cross and follow him. See, these men didn't hesitate. They left everyone and everything. Everything else in their life became secondary. Jesus says, he says, he's a, he, he met them right where they were. And he says, come, come as you are, but come and come right now. This is a radical call. It is a radical call to follow Jesus. And you know the thing that, that, that's crazy about this contract, he comes up to us and he says, Here, here's this contract, and it just says on there, it just says, follow me, Jesus. And it has a signature at the bottom. And I'm like, well, what's this contract about, Jesus? He says, don't worry about it. Just follow me and I'll fill in the details. Just follow me and I'll show you and I'll teach you and I'll bless you and I'll train you and I'll use you and your life will become meaningful. Your life will become powerful and I will fill you with myself and I will give you power. Acts 1.8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Our Jerusalem, our, our families, our neighborhoods, our county, El Paso, our, our Judea, if you will. That could be Colorado, our, our, our Samaria. That could be the United States. That's why we put aside right now, we're putting aside 10% of our budget for missions and church planting. It goes into a special account. So when one of you get the call, here I am, send me. We will be able to invest in your life and send you out to reach another community or another country for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And the call of the witness to tell people that they can be justified by faith in Christ alone. And he's calling us. Guys, this is a serious call. I read over this and I read over this and I read over this and I'm like, Lord, (laughs) there's no sugarcoating this. By the way, sugarcoated preaching is bad for your health anyways. (laughs) Bad for your soul. And he says, there's no other way. You're called to leverage your job, your family, your relationships so that others may know Christ. 
Derwin Gray says this. He says, NFL star, he also pastors a, a transformational church in South Carolina. We are shaped by God to reach the world for Christ. If you're in seventh grade, you're a missionary at school. If you work at a Bank of America, you're a missionary at Bank of America. If you teach Pilates at YMCA, you're a missionary there. We are called to honor God and make an impact in our community, regardless of whether people walk into the church or not. That's our strategy. And here's what I know about God. God has strategically placed each and every one of you in a specific job, in a specific community, in specific relationships, in social environments, because God is working in and through your life, and he has placed these people in your life. And believe it or not, I bet God is already preparing them for a relationship with you as your Jesus was skin to them. And I, I know the cool, one of the coolest things in, in, in the life is, is when you just walk with Jesus and you stay close to Jesus and, and I have a, a neighbor in my neighborhood who's having issues with his daughter and I'm just loving him and, and being, being Jesus with skin and, and encouraging him. And you know what happens when they have tr- problems with their little girls? Who do they come to? They come to me. The same thing in your job or your workplace. If you walk with Jesus and you're close to Jesus and you act like Jesus, when somebody's marriage is on the rocks, I, I can remember when I was working construction back in the uh, Northern California, and I was, uh, uh, it was a union deal, and I'm, uh, and I'm working, and at lunchtime, I would go away by myself, and I'd read my Bible, and, and the foreman at the time, this is back in the, the 90s, he comes up to me at lunch and he sits down next to me. We don't really had much of a relationship. I'd just been, Jesus was skin at work. He came up to me and he sat down and he looked at me and he goes, Garrett, my mom's dying of cancer. And I don't have any answers. I don't know what this means. And I, I had my Bible open and I opened up my Bible and I just started walking him through and, and telling him, and I, you know, hey, can I go talk to your mom? And, and, and just watching God work just by being Jesus. God wants to use you powerfully. And what can we do? <laughs> well, what did Jesus do? Jesus used a well of water to speak to a woman's spiritual thirst. He used bread to speak to a hungry multitude. He talked to seed to farmers, money to merchants. He spoke to a searching empty religious leader about being filled or born again. He used experience of a life to get his message out. He talked with fishermen about changing their perspective. And he took 12 ordinary men under his wing and blessed them and taught them and discipled them and turned them into world changers where the world would never be the same. I mean, John had no idea what God was gonna do in his life. John had no idea that he was gonna get the revelation that we have in our Bibles. John had no idea that he was gonna have the book of John, which has led millions upon millions of people over the last 2,000 years to Jesus Christ. Sometimes with people just reading it. God had no, they had no idea. James had no idea he was gonna be the first martyr either, right? (laughs) He had no idea he was gonna get his head lopped off. Peter had no idea he was gonna be crucified upside down. But here's what I know. God used them so powerfully he blessed them. Look, I'm, I am fruit of their account. 
I am fruit of their account because they were faithful to become fishers of men. It's been passed down. The Eastern uh, people in the East, people in the West, people in the North, people in the South have been able to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ because of faithful men who said, here I am, Lord, send me, use me. In a book by Dave Early and and Ben Gutierrez, it's called... uh, how to serve Jesus with passion and confidence. He says, going to the ends of the earth often begins by going across the street. It is getting up every morning. Here I am, send me. Yes, we should send our money. Yes, we should send our prayers. But most importantly, we need to send ourselves. We must say, here I am, Lord, send me. This is, this is amazing. Look, have you ever been radically used by God? Have you ever had God just use you in such a powerful way that your life has changed forever? I mean, can you imagine? This has impacted my whole family because we've been able to share this girl in Iran who now has hope because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look, it is the biggest blessing in the life to see a marriage restored, to see somebody healed, to see somebody that wanted to kill themselves, not kill themselves, see somebody that was addicted, no longer addicted. There is no greater joy in life than to be used by almighty God. And so I don't want anybody to miss out. Friends, far greater things than you've ever dreamed or imagined, far beyond your hopes, your dreams, your aspirations, things that you never thought were possible are possible with Jesus Christ. He is a God that heals He is a God that restores. He is a God that blesses. And he is inviting you onto an adventure with him. He's saying, come and follow me. It's not always going to be easy. It's going to cost you something. But in that, there is no greater joy and no greater blessing. To see people who have been struggling and beat down and hopeless Come and experience abundant life in Jesus Christ and eternal life in Jesus Christ. Guys, the greatest moment of your life, the greatest day of your life, the greatest hour of your life, the greatest minute of your life, greatest week, month, year, whatever of your life will not compare to one second in eternity when we're face to face with Jesus In the end of our life, when we stand before Christ, here's the question. What will be your life's work? When we stand before Christ, when we look at our life, what will be our legacy? When I was born, 1965, now you guys can figure out how old I am. And that dash that's my life, and let's say it's to 2040. I'm being hopeful, right? Let's go 2050. That dash. And what we did for Christ will matter. For all eternity. And I often wonder if people will walk up to us and go, hey, you remember when you shared the gospel and they remember when you, when you supported that church plan or that missionary? Or remember, I was one of those people that God touched through that person that you sent or you helped or you prayed for or you that went. I'm that person that now is in eternity forever and ever and ever because of your faithfulness because when God called you and said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, you were obedient and you went and you were blessed. That's the the, the thing that I want to present to him. And I ask myself that all the time. Lord, 
What do I have today to present to you? I wake up in the morning and say, God, here I am, send me. Help me be effective in my neighbor's life. And the guy at the gas station, or the grumpy lady at, at the, I won't tell you what store it is. <laughs> but I go in there with my, I'm gonna make this lady smile if it kills me. I'm gonna tell her that I love her and that I'm blessed by her and I'm thankful for her service. And I, I mean, I, I've got her to actually say hi to me when I show up now. Oh, oh, hi. That is who we are, people. People need to know that they're known and loved by God. That they're not worthless, they're not hopeless. They're not helpless. They're not like that girl where I read that text. It said, that I am, why am I even here? Why do I even exist? I'm worthless. I'm, 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 I'm just, I'm nobody. Nobody cares. Well, I care. And my God cares. And if you follow me, Jesus says, I will make you fishers of people. In other words, follow me and I will make your life matter. I will give your life significance. I will give your life meaning. I will make your life matter so much that it will change other people's life and then in turn make their lives matter. Save life matters. This is who Jesus is. Maybe you've been asking this morning if there's more to life. Let me tell you, there's more to life. The disciples had no idea that they would touch every tongue, tribe, and nation. They had absolutely no idea. But God did it. Proverbs 11.30 says this, the fruit of the righteous is the tree of life. And whoever captures souls is wise, or whoever wins souls is wise. Charles Spurgeon says this, what are we if we do not win souls and turn many people to righteousness? We are reapers who never reap, soldiers who never win a battle, fishermen who never take no fish, and lights who enlighten no one. Wow. Now, in the way of application, how does, that, how does this play out in our own lives, right? How are we to become fishers of men? The simplest way is testimony. Every single person in this room has a unique story to tell. Nobody in this room's story is the same. Every one of you have gone through different hardships, different pains, different blessings, different addictions, different uh, problems, different marriage issues, different deaths in the family, all kinds of different things. You have been given a story. God has written your story down for you. And God has been there all the way through your story. And so there's nothing more important and nothing more powerful than the story of beauty from ashes. The story of, 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 a, of, a, of a life like mine and total destruction and despair and living for myself, destroying my life and other people's lives, coming out because of Jesus Christ and his gospel, because somebody was a fisher of men, led me to Christ, and then I was able to now tell everybody about my story. Guys, they overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb and their testimony. Your testimony is the most powerful tool you have in the arsenal. Another thing I like to do is I like to ask people to tell me their story. People love to tell their story. 
I have never had anybody when I have time. I mean, if you sit me next to a person in the airport, in the airplane, I know that God has brought that person to me because there's 275 seats on that plane. I randomly picked a seat and that person that God has brought next to me on that airplane, God has picked him to sit next to Garrett. And so I asked, hey, tell me your story. Tell me your story. How many kids do you have? Well, you know, people open up. People are interested. I've only had a couple of people that I had to really work at it to have them tell me their story. And God always opens up windows of heaven for you to be able to speak into their lives. It's who he is. God, God will bring something to you that you can share with this person that will maybe change their life forever because that's who he is. And God uses our testimonies and our experience, hardship, pain, hurts, our story, to share with people and to change their lives. And that's who God is. He's just, he's just an amazing, amazing God. Another story, there's two, there was these two Moravian guys um, who had heard about this island. They were in their early 20s and they heard about this island where the slave trader was. And he was an atheist British slave trader in the West Indies. And he had said, no preacher or clergy will ever step foot on this island ever. Matter of fact, he says, if somebody, sh if their ship, uh, ship is shipwrecked, I will put them on the other side of an island in a hut. They won't be able to leave that hut until they uh, have somebody come by and pick them up. Well, these two young men heard about this guy that there were 3,000 slaves that had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ on this island. So these two young men sold themselves to this slave trader. Then they took the money, paid for their own fare. And as they were on the, 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 the pier in, in, ha in Hamburg, Germany, getting sent off, as they were on that pier, their family came there, their family came out. They'd so, they, they had sold themselves into slavery. Their family came out and they were weeping and crying and, and, and seeing these two young men off. And as the two young men sailed off uh, with the tide down the river to go to the North Sea, they, one raised his hands as their arms were locked and said, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. And this, is, this became the Moravians' mission's cry. Matter of fact, the Moravians are the ones who actually led John Wesley, who thought he was saved, on a boat on the way to the United States to the Lord because John Wesley had seen their lives and say, wow, there is something different about these Holy Spirit-filled men. May the Lord, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. That's a powerful story. What are we willing to do as the body of Christ to see people come out of their misery and into abundant and eternal life? The gospel's good news. Jesus said in John 15, five, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me, I will, in, I in him, excuse me, the one who remains in me or abides in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. John 15, eight says, my father is glorified by this that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask in my name, he will give you. I ask myself, God, what's this fruit that you're talking about here? What is this fruit 
I want to bear it. I want to I I I be part of this, Lord. I want to remain in you and I want to abide in you. I want to obey you. I want to be faithful to you. I want to be your servant. What is this fruit? Winning souls for Christ and then helping them grow to be reproducing disciples. That's the fruit. It's that simple. Staying as close to Jesus as we can while winning souls for Christ and helping others find Christ and then helping teach them to find Christ and stay intimate with, with God on top of that. That is the fruit that Jesus is talking about here. You know the interesting thing about God? He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we go all the way back into the Garden of Eden. And we look at the Garden of Eden and, and, and here we have the same thing happening. God says what, to, he says, I've, I've made fruit and trees and seeds according to their own kind so that they'll reproduce. I've made fish and birds and animals, why? To reproduce. I've made man, so why? He can be intimate with me, right? But also so that he can reproduce. And so the same is in the New Testament. We are called to reproduce ourselves. It's God's plan. It's been God's plan since creation. That we're to be a reproducing body of Christ. Leading people to, to make more disciples, to make more disciples, to make more disciples. And so it's been God's plan all the time. He hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And one of the biggest things that break my heart in the church is we become a salt lick instead of a salt shaker. We're the salt of the earth. We're the thing that seasons the earth. We're the thing that makes the earth beautiful and tasteful and, 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 and full of light. We are the light of the world. <laughs> I love what Francis Chan says. He says, Christians are like manure. Thank you. Spread them out and they help everything grow, but keep them in a big pile and they become horribly stinky. <laughs> Look, guys, I made these cards for us. And it's real simple. Just take a simple step. It says, begin now by listing the names of seven people you want to see God bring to life through your friendship. So I wanna take a moment and I want you to write three names on there right now, please. Just write three names. And then I want you to pray and come up with seven names. But I, I, I've given you five simple steps here. The first thing that Andrew did is when he, when he had an encounter with Jesus, Andrew ran and got his brother Peter and says, guys, I've met the Christ. I've met the Christ and he takes his brother to Jesus. It says, pray for your friend. Ask God for an opportunity to reach him. God will answer that prayer. You ask anything in my name. We read that verse. Be a friend. Invite your friend. Share the good news with your friend. And then grow with your friend. It's, it's that simple. So write, write, a name, write some names down there. The idea is why there's seven names on here is because if every Christian built a relationship with seven people, Every Christian on the earth built a relationship with seven people. The whole world would be evangelized. That, that's the statistic. Only seven people. 
All you have to do is share the gospel with seven people. This girl in Iran had never heard the gospel and thank God for social media, she's now heard the gospel. And now she says, I have hope. That story blesses me so much. In closing, I wanna read the words of an atheist. And guys, I know this is a serious call. Jesus has a compelling vision. He says, I will make you become. He doesn't say, you have to become. He says, I, if you just follow me, I will make you become fishers of people. I will do it. You just follow me. You just stay close to me and watch what I do in your life. It's that simple. But here's some words of an atheist, and I want to read them to you. Did I firmly believe, as millions say they do, that the knowledge and practice of religion in this life influences the destiny of another? I should esteem one soul gained for heaven worth a life of suffering. Earthly consequences should never stay my hand nor seal my lips. Earth, its joys and its grief would occupy no moment of my thoughts. I would strive to look upon eternity alone and on the immortal souls around me soon to be everlasting happy or everlastingly miserable. I would go forth to the world and preach in season and out of season and my text would be, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Wow. If you do not know Jesus this morning, you need to. Personal relationship with Jesus is life itself. It's why I get up in the morning. He's not something that's sort of in my life. He is my life. And as you follow Jesus, in following closely with intimacy and in power, Jesus pours his blessing into you your life. He begins to heal things that you never thought could be healed. He begins to renew your mind. He begins to give you a, a heart, a new heart. He begins to give you love and compassion and mercy and grace. He begins to show you what it truly means to be saved. Look, Jesus died for your sins and he was buried and, he, and the third day rose from the dead so that you can have abundant and everlasting life. So if you do not know Jesus this morning, you need to surrender your life for him. You need to say, okay, God, I'll sign the contract. Follow me. All right, I'm gonna sign it, Lord. <laughs> and I'm gonna trust you with the details. I'm gonna trust you. And as David said, God in your presence is fullness of joy. If you're not following Jesus, you're not in his presence and you will never experience the fullness of joy. That my friends is the reality and the beauty of the gospel. And I want y'all to experience it. I don't want you to miss out. I don't want you to get to the end of your dash and have regrets 
I don't want you to sit on, the, on your porch when you're 70 or 80 or 90 and say, man, that was my life's work. I want you to say, man, Lord, what a ride. And I want you all to hear, enter into the joy of the Lord. When we take our final breath and we sit down at the marriage supper of the Lamb and the King of kings and the Lord of glory serves us. Let that reality sink in. I don't even get that. But that is the love of Jesus Christ for every single one of you as he shows you in heaven for all eternity. How can you not want to sign up for that? Amen?